0: Welcome to FinTech Fridays. Oh, yes, yeah. A weekly podcast brought to you by the National Crowdfunding and FinTech Association of Canada and partners. Covering all things FinTech, blockchain, P2P, AI, and alternative finance.
1: Hey, everybody, Missy Khan and thank you for tuning in to another fantastical episode of the Fintech Friday Podcast. Uh, I hope you've had an amazing week so far, and I hope this week's episode can kick off your weekend so you can have an amazing weekend. Uh, this week, I had the absolute pleasure to sit down with Fred Pye from 3iQ. And yeah, honestly, without, without any further ado, I'm just going to kick off this weekend kick off and kick off this episode with episode 32 with fred pie from three iq thank you so much for uh sitting down with me today
0: great thanks for having me manson
1: yeah for sure so fred for i guess the five or six audience members that may not know essentially who you are and the amazing work that you guys do at three iq could you just give us a real quick rundown
0: yeah, well, first of all, I think I'm probably one of the oldest guys in crypto, so that's, uh, <laughs> that's why most people would know me from that. And I guess my claim to fame was I was part of the team back in the uh, late 80s that took Fidelity Investments from $80 million to $7.5 billion and really put them on the map in Canada. Um, what a lot of people don't know is before that, I was actually the first one to list gold, silver and platinum certificates on the Montreal Stock Exchange for a way to give investment advisors to buy gold and silver and platinum for their client portfolios and, and it was really funny because uh, back in uh, the early 80s when we we're trying to do that um the securities commission's the regulator said well hang on a second gold is um, speculative it's volatile it's used for illegal purposes and uh, you know why would it's not in the public interest to have gold listed on an exchange and funny enough, fast forward uh, thirty some odd years later, I'm trying to do the same by listing Bitcoin, Ether, and some of the other uh, uh, digital assets on the on the exchanges.
1: Right. That's uh, <laughs> it's funny how times have changed, right? Now it's uh, gold and silver is probably the most secure uh, <laughs> investments that you're probably first getting to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For for a lot of the audience members that may not know, Three IQ actually works with the Ontario Securities Regulation. Um, Fred, could you just talk about your dealings with that? You guys also work with not only the Ontario Securities Commission, but you guys are also partnered up with the Canadian Security Exchange. Uh, Could you just talk about just the relationship between that, how that happened, and pretty much what can the audience expect when it comes to a timeline with uh, both partnerships?
0: Yeah, well, I I would say that... um Um, We've been, uh, we have been working with the Ontario Securities Commission for a few years now to get this fund uh, to the market and it's kind of come to a a head and I'll explain that in just a bit. But to give 3iq a bit of a background, we actually started in 2012, Uh, I was working with Landry Investment Management. We were running a global multi-asset portfolio and when you're running these global multi-asset portfolios, you notice that everything just was becoming completely correlated. So as a hedge fund manager, I was always looking for that perfect non-correlated asset class. And sure enough, I, I fell down the rabbit hole and stumbled on uh, on, on Bitcoin at the beginning of uh, 2015. And it was uh, shortly after then that Chris Bernsky and Adam White wrote a white paper saying, ringing the bell on a new asset class. And uh, Chris, I knew from ARK Invest quite well. And uh, I read this white paper and I said, hey, now we can create a product out of it. So we were going to just do acquire a fund that was already listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange and de facto do an RTO and end up with a Bitcoin fund on the Toronto Stock Exchange in 2016, circa $350 price of Bitcoin. Um, We went to the securities regulators in November of 2016 and said, you know, we can go on the back door, we can go on the front door, uh, and we'll go on the front door if you want to be first and if you love the asset class and you should move ahead. And a guy by the name of John Mountain said, absolutely, we want to be first. Uh, we can do this. We can get through all the, the hurdles that we have to do. So we filed in, in um, April of 2017, the first Bitcoin fund to be listed on a major exchange like the Toronto Stock Exchange. All of a sudden, we went back and forth two or three times, just getting the custodian right, getting the insurance right, getting the clearing right, getting all of the pieces right. And then um, all of a sudden, it hit a brick wall. The fund got a, hit a brick wall because Ontario created something called the Launchpad.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the Launchpad, if you read the, uh, their their website, it says they're there to facilitate and uh, reduce the regulatory burden to get crypto funds to the market. Yeah. Well, exactly the opposite happened, and uh, we got thrown into regulatory hell uh, from April 2016. We then launched a hedge fund called the Global Crypto Asset Fund, which is an exempt market fund. They asked us to pull that. We said, well, it's an exempt market fund. It's not under the regulatory purview of the OSC. Mm -hmm. They said, no, but we as money managers are. So Canada went the route to try and regulate money managers instead of regulating the funds, which is what they should have done. And Unfortunately, when you take a look at the Pricewaterhouse study that comes out, there's 250 asset managers running $10 billion in the United States of crypto assets. In Canada, you have two, you know, you know and <laughs> it's absolutely silly. Um, yeah. There were three, there were four, Ross Smith from Calgary, uh, close shop, and the third one, um, First Block uh, Capital with their Bitcoin trust. We just recently purchased the Bitcoin trust from First Block uh, Capital, and uh, we bought their ETF uh, from them. And First Block made an investment in 3IQ. So we're just kind of teaming up together. Um, But having said that, after two and a half years, uh, we finally got a a firm rejection, and we have applied to go to a public hearing on June 3rd. So we encourage all your listeners to look that up. And come and join us at the Ontario Securities Commission and see us uh, fight to get the first Bitcoin fund uh, listed in Canada.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think uh, many of the audience members would be very excited uh, to join you. Um, and it was June third, you said, right?
0: June third. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, we'll,
1: we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely circle back when the date comes closer, just to give everybody uh, a little a little bit more of a rally call. So um, I want to touch a little bit. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a pin in the on, on first block and just essentially what a Bitcoin trust is. Um, could you guys talk a little bit more of your current initiatives right now that you have, now that with the dealings of the, of the Ontario Securities Commission uh, with first block. And yeah, so I, I guess, could you talk a little bit of yeah, like, what sure. are the current initiatives at 3iQ?
0: So when, when first block launched the Bitcoin uh, trust, it mm-hmm. is an, again, exempt market. When we say exempt market, it means it's for accredited investors. And that's an absolutely ridiculous component because the people that understand Bitcoin are 35 or 40 years and under, and, you know, they don't necessarily make 250000 a year for the last three years. They don't necessarily have amassed $5 million of assets yet. So, you know, it completely misses the audience on crypto funds. However, it's the only option we, we have at this time. Um, clients or uh, investors uh, such as yourself can open up an account, a discretionary account at 3iQ and our company as portfolio managers can buy it free your RSP or your TFSA. Mm-hmm. Um, but because First Block had the Bitcoin trust, we didn't launch an exempt market Bitcoin trust because we're going for a public Bitcoin fund. Yeah. Well, um, so right now in the exempt market, in, meaning in the accredited investor market, we have the Bitcoin trust. And we also have something called the 3iQ Global Crypto Asset Fund. Uh-huh. The Global Crypto Asset Fund is 50% Bitcoin, 35% Ether, and 10% Litecoin. Mm-hmm. And this fund obviously is absolutely on fire now. I think it's up 100% year to date. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, and, and so we're hoping that the whole crypto market settles down for a bit because 100% is good for a 12-month return. I don't need any more this year.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You exceeded your targets and then so. We've exceeded our
0: targets at 100% this year. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it gives us um, a bit more of a broader post. It's a very low-fee uh, alternative on how Canadians can actually purchase that fund. They can just get that off our website. Uh, it says click on the button buy here uh, as a credit investor. Or they send us a note. We'll walk them through the whole process. So, So that's really the two products we have. We do have an ETF. Which is the um, uh, distributed ledger technology adopters ETF? They weren't allowed to use blockchain in their ETF, so they use distributed ledger technology adopters. This is more of a U.S. large cap, so this is this will hold the uh, people such as IBM, Apple, and the rest of uh, Amazon. The people that have blockchain initiative it's mm-hmm. announced public blockchain okay. initiative. That fund also does very very well. So. Uh you know we're encouraged about that. That can be bought under the symbol FBCN on the Toronto Stock Exchange, or sorry,
1: on the Neo exchange, which okay. is from your, your advisors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So you guys are coming out with a stable coin with Mavenet. Could you talk about the I guess how the partnership even started, why you guys even considered creating a stable coin, and what can we expect from this stable coin partnership?
0: Well, the stable coin is called QCAD, and, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, everything through IQ will, will, will produce. will have a Q on the front of it, so. Right.
1: For the, uh, for the just audio listeners, um, he's actually wearing <laughs> the QCAD shirt, so he just stood up and showed me. So. <laughs>
0: yeah, so about six months ago, um, I noticed Tether and a few of the other stable coins start to, uh, to proliferate, and I started pontificating, and I said, you know what? The Forex market's about a $5 trillion a day trading market, the single largest business and trading market in the world. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a couple thousand crypto traders. How do we get the tens of thousands of Forex traders to trade crypto? And all of a sudden, people needed the U.S. dollar coins. So when they were on exchanges, when Bitcoin starts to fall, there was somewhere they could hide. You know, they could put their accounts into a stable coin and they could hide and wait for the next rally. Yeah. And, and I was looking at this and I said, well, if you've now got a digital U.S. dollar, meaning a digital U.S. stable coin. Mm-hmm. If you have now a digital Canadian dollar or a digital Hong Kong dollar or a digital Japanese yen, all of a sudden the forex traders that know how to trade Canadian dollars and U.S. dollars or Japanese yen and, and Hong Kong dollars dollars or Hong Kong dollars trading them digitally will be very very easy and the distance from trading fiat forex into digital forex um, or paper forex into digital forex is not that big a jump and therefore once these thousands of people are trading digital uh, forex all of a sudden, the jump from uh, QCAD to QBTC is mm-hmm. not very big. They can now start trading Bitcoin or any of the other digital assets. Right. And uh, Kesem Frank and myself wrote a white paper that's on on uh, Medium that actually shows that if you take a look at the pyramid of this unstable crypto platform on top of a very stable uh, on top of a very stable forex base. It's missing two triangles to stabilize the pyramid to take uh, the rest of crypto to the moon. So, so right. we think that the movement, you know, stable coins are at three and a half billion today. I expect them to be thirty billion in the next three years. Yeah, north of three hundred billion in the next five years. Well, we want to play in that space. Um, so we're under full development right now. Mavenet out of Toronto. Um, is easily one of the best blockchain uh, developers that we've had a chance to interview and talk with. Yeah. And um, having said that, they're also part of the Aeon network and are well-versed in Aeon. Aeon is a uh, an interoperable platform for all blockchains to make blockchains talk together. So it doesn't matter where people place their stablecoin at some point in time, they'll be all uh, portable between different blockchains.
1: Right. That's uh, That's really exciting. We're actually... Maven is actually, actually going to be on the show in the next couple of episodes, so uh, definitely, yeah, definitely stay tuned for that. Um, I guess I'll throw it now to you. I mean, now that we have now, now that we can, now that we talked about the Ontario Securities Commission, you guys initially starting um, your partnership with the Canadian, uh, Secu- uh, Canadian Stock Exchange, sorry, Canadian Security Exchange. Um, is there anything else that uh, you'd like to at least? I guess share with the audience. Is there something that we should kind of keep in mind when it comes to crypto investment funds?
0: Well, you know, Canada has a bunch of big challenges. In Canada right now, you know, you hear that the Ontario government says, oh, the door is wide open for FinTech. Uh, You know, you're pushing on an open door. Um, You know, we want to encourage FinTech to Toronto. And if your regulators can't even approve a closed-end Bitcoin fund, it's really tough for us to take you know, them seriously, uh, that they're trying to encourage it. Mm-hmm. And if the Ontario Securities Commission is waiting for the SEC to approve an ETF in the United States, they will have lost another opportunity to be a leader and to attract business to Toronto. Yeah. Uh, the SEC says it's not about Bitcoin. It has to do with more of the mechanics of how an ETF works. A closed-end fund with our partners at Gemini and Coinbase and Zappo, and uh, Silvergate Banks and, and you know we have by far we believe the safest oppor- uh, opportunity for Canadian investors to invest in Bitcoin. And when we take a look at something like Quadriga CX, um, you know where they can trace 26 million of the 200 some odd million that got disappeared uh, that disappeared how they can say with a straight face that Canada doesn't need a regulated fund is beyond me. Yes. Canada needs a regulated fund. Their job is to protect investors and understand. Now it doesn't matter whether the price of Bitcoin goes up or down, as long as the structure is safe and isn't going to get hacked and isn't going to get stolen and isn't going to, you know, you know, be uh, perpetrated by fraud or anything along those lines. And yeah, that's why we have these regulated managers and these rules. And, you know, if you can put gold in a closed-end fund, you certainly can put Bitcoin in a closed-end fund.
1: I, I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and and it goes back, and it circles back to what we talked about a little bit before of, you know, this, this, this is one of the many things that's going to help kind of close the gap of having all those amazing day traders kind of switch over and also switch to crypto. And then that's just going to help with the mainstream adoption that we've been pretty much... <laughs> foaming at the mouth for, for, for years now.
0: Well, if you take a look at all the great development being done out of Toronto, or Montreal for, mm-hmm. for that matter, and Vancouver, I wouldn't want to leave them out, and Calgary,
1: yeah. <laughs> to Calgary. Yeah. you know, there's,
0: uh, you know, there's great exchanges, there are great wallet systems, there are great uh, uh, custody platforms these people are developing. They're developing an infrastructure, which is an OCT trading desk, but where's the billion dollar asset manager behind everything that's the customer? We haven't got one.
1: Right. You know, exactly. we
0: want to be that customer. We want to be running institutional money here in Canada. And, and you know, those top 10 hedge funds in the U S have gone through Canada to all our institutions. They do roadshows and take all the money South of the border. It's absolutely absurd that we can't manage that money here in Canada. Yeah. And, you know, if we had institutional support, uh, through an asset manager with Canadian Custody Solutions, you know, we'd be running, you know, three or four billion dollars of, uh, of crypto in Canada and have assets to be able to move through the ecosystem in Canada. So it all starts off in a very simple, uh, you know, a very simple place. We just start off with one fund. It goes into two funds. It goes into three managers. All of a sudden we'll have AGF and Tri- or Templeton or or McKenzie or you know, any of these great companies, you know, managing crypto. But they yep. need to let somebody like ourselves. Our chairman is Howard Atkinson, who was, you know, former head of uh, uh, Horizons ETFs. You know, he, uh, he was really one of the pioneers of ETFs in Canada. And, you know, him and I work very closely with these regulators to say, look, you allowed us to list gold, you allowed us to do ETFs. I actually created the first long, short mutual fund in Canada back in 2000. 2000, you know, it's, it's people like ourselves that try to do something and move the, move the line. But, you know, we're now, you know, going past our third year, almost our fourth year yeah. and four and a half million dollars to try and make this thing work. And it's a, it's an absolute killer for uh, for small cap companies or for startup companies to try and do this. Yeah. There's I'm, no reduction of regulatory burden by any stretch of the
1: imagination. Yeah, no, I mean, Unfortunately, uh, this has been a pretty big theme of the podcast. Canada has been very traditionally conservative and uh, Canada is just kind of waiting. Like you said, they're just waiting for our brethren in in the States just seeing, okay, what are they going to do? What are the regulations just kind of doing? And not really giving an actual shot because there's such, there's such amazing talent here in Canada, right? Like you've, you've fired off quite a few names and quite a few amazing companies that are doing great work here. The fact that they, if we kind of keep the, if we keep going the way that we're going now, they're not going to feel secure in their own country to create a company. They're just going to go off to, God knows where. They can go to Malta and just kind of like create their whole thing there and just start scratch from there, right? So, it's it's starting to get pretty concerning when it comes when in the shoes of these companies.
0: Yeah, we would have had more success if we had set up even in New York. Obviously, there's Bitcoin products available you know over the counter in the united states with gbtc so canadians are already buying it in their brokerage accounts um, you know there's a bunch of rtos from ether capital to the others that that are all out there but you know the the reality is is people want something that's come in the front door that's regulated that is plain and simple english you know what you're buying when you when you buy it and you know that the there is a trusted party behind it you know and it doesn't matter whether you're a you know, a to-the-moon Bitcoin bull, uh, it is completely an uncorrelated asset class. Uh, the movement, you know, with the trade the trade problems in the United States right now uh, with China, I believe it's definitely the Chinese that are, you know, if you're a 30-year-old in China, you're moving your RMB into Bitcoin because your yep. RMB is down 10% and you're, uh, you know, you don't want to hold the U.S. dollars. So uh, you're definitely buying Bitcoin. And what does that do? It puts... 50% premium on Bitcoin right off the bat. So Yeah,
1: exactly. So you did touch a little on the fact that you guys are right now, you guys can only operate with accredited investors. Um, the entire pull when it comes to crypto is the fact that anybody and everybody can kind of invest into it. And hopefully when it comes later down the line, that, and it, that, that principle still stays the same. It's that pretty much accredited investors and just regular investors are on the same playing field. Um, how do you see that? Happening? How do you how do you see that coming into fruition?
0: Well, you know, there's 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 a lot of things that have uh, that have to happen. A closed-end Bitcoin fund is a proxy or like we would own. Let's say we do a ten million dollar offering. There's ten million dollars of Bitcoin we buy it, and then we list that pool on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Okay. So people can now buy that pool as a security. So from your discount brokerage account, you can buy it in your RSP and your TFSA, and it will reflect Bitcoin one for one. Um, basically, you know, if Bitcoin's trading at uh, $7,000, the price of our fund is going to be $70. Uh, so, it'll be a one for, you know, one out of a hundred, uh, 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 so people will know what they're buying. They're buying it for $3,200 or they're mm-hmm. buying it for 10000 So, yeah. it'll be quite clear for them what they're paying for the, their Bitcoin. We hope to do the same with Ether or any of the top 10 assets. But one thing I didn't mention is um, Van Eck out of New York a $50 billion asset manager. They own a set of series of indexes called the MVIS indexes, MVIS. Um Gabor Gerbach's a bunch of that operation. Van Eck owns 10% of 3IQ. They're so convinced that you know we're going to win here that they've they put their money behind us to help us support us and help us fight this uh, this battle. Um, but certainly the minute that ETFs and indexes of crypto indexes are allowed, we can go to the invest indexes and we can create a dozen indexes. So top 10, uh, top 5, top 10, top 10 out of 100, top yep. 10 small cap, top 10 large cap. We can create and again also active portfolios. So we can create a whole series of products. We just have to get that first product done mm-hmm. and then the, then the doors will open. You know, it's just sad to see that Bitcoin's had to go from three thousand or three hundred to eight thousand before the general public gets access to it. And and the reality is, when Steve is our our clients are going to be stockbrokers, it's financial advisors, it's the advisor that understands tech, it's the advisor that understands the internet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's it's you know I watched Kevin O'Leary on uh, TV yesterday. He clearly has no concept of what bitcoin is or, or or the future we're doing and you know what yeah. we can let those people be you know have their opinions and and we're happy to let them short this all the time as much as they want because we'll take all their money but definitely you know there is a, a growing part of the population that wants easy access through a regular a registered or licensed um, um investment account mm-hmm. and and that's really what we're we're trying to do for everyone
1: yeah, like you said, once you have the first product up and out of the door, then it's about to be—it's about to have some floodgates, right? Yeah, right. Awesome. So, Fred, with that, I mean, is there any last-minute tidbits you want to give us before we wrap this up?
0: Um, no, I think uh, as I said, I think if you can, two things: um, tell your investment advisors you'd like to buy uh, our our funds or get them on the platforms, because we now have to work with all the brokerage firms and the banks to. uh, allow our funds on their platforms but uh, certainly keep an eye out for 3iq's work with the osc and uh when we win then you'll see us on tv you'll see us uh, in all the newspapers but uh right now it's funny the journalists in canada don't follow it like they do in the united states every time hester pierce or one of the people in the u.s say something it's covered by all the press in yep. canada we've we've kind of been under the radar um but it's about to go very public and uh Kudos to you for being one of the first to bring us on.
1: Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm super excited to have you on and I'm excited to keep having you guys on and just uh, pretty much rallying behind Bitcoin with you guys.
0: Good. Well, happy to be here.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Fred, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. And um, what would be the best way for our audience members to connect with you and or some of the amazing team that you have behind 3iQ?
0: Well, definitely go to Uh We actually run uh, a weekly blog, which is the five coolest things that happen in uh, crypto in Canada. Nice. If you send us a link, uh, we'll have this show uh, this show linked on uh, on our Sunday or Monday blog that comes out, and this will clearly be one of the coolest things
1: that happened in crypto this week. So awesome! That's I'm, I'm super excited to make it on your blog. So yeah, so,
0: go to ThreadQ.ca and uh, surf around
1: and. Take a look at what we're doing. Awesome. Thank you so much for tuning into Fit Fintech Fridays. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify for iTunes. If you could leave us a five-star rating and a review, that'd mean the absolute world to us. Uh, and it gives me a better understanding of essentially what your thoughts are. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, feel free to email us at info at ncfacanada.org
0: you've been listening to fintech fridays brought to you by ncfa and partners tune in weekly for the latest fintech friday podcast by subscribing to this channel the national crowdfunding and fintech association of canada is a nonprofit actively engaged with social and investment fintech sectors around the globe and provides education research industry stewardship services and networking opportunities to thousands of members and subscribers For more information, please visit ncfacanada.org.